Hey, Jimmy. Hey, Angela. The six books, books are, are good. Good. Actually. Actually. And as I mentioned literally five minutes ago to Jimmy, this is going to be a very angry podcast, like ep- podcast episode, like angrier than usual. So well, it's is something wrong. It, it was <laughs> is there something controversial or upsetting in the thing, the book that we read this month? This is like angry react only book that I've I there's like me sighing and like me putting the book down and rolling my eyes and then being like, of course, this is and then just uh, it was the most frustrating book that I managed to complete ever. And I've read and ran bullshit. This is not to compare. Really? Yeah, I, I was forced to in high school. Oh, my God. That's so gross. It is, and there's a scholar. I think I told this. Like, there's a scholarship that you can write for, like why Anne Rand's book, um, Atlas Shrug, is like the greatest thing since sliced bread or some shit. Growing up in the Midwest is cool, guys. All right, uh, it, so the... it is not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the book that's getting angry reacts only is Jesus and John Wayne: How White Evangelicals Corrupted a Faith and Fractured a Nation by Kristen Coves Dumez. Hopefully, I pronounced their last name correctly. Probably not, but whole point is, is that we read this book, and um, yeah. So, and before we get into feelings about the book, I want to do a shout out to Bobby for telling Jimmy that we I uploaded the wrong fucking episode last episode. Cause yeah, that's Bobby. So thank you, Bobby. <sighs> being our one QA engineer. Yeah, our QA engineer, our unexpectedly QA engineer. Um, you'll get a coffee mug whenever we decide to do merch which might not be ever which will be never so you know on the other hand i will get you a christmas present there we go so (laughs) christmas presents for bobby all right um okay moving on let's talk about this book that is angry reacts only jimmy why don't you go start off with your feelings about the book um well first a lot of this book i already had a vague understanding of just because of uh talking through the history of my friends and partners relationships with christianity through their parents um because some of our friends uh my, um have a family history with the evangelical movement so things like Quiver fool or the promise keeper james dobson uh, jerry falwell etc somewhat familiar and then on top of that there's this neat podcast that i've never mentioned before in (laughs) the history of recording this podcast called behind the bastards and uh a number of the individuals that are discussed in this book come up at various points behind the bastards so uh i was familiar with a lot of it i will say that uh i listened to the audiobook for this rather than read it okay and the as far as the presentation of information that's really great um as far as the the book does a really good job of like both not pulling its punches regarding like contradictions the inadequacies and the ridiculous things that are said and done by these pastors and by the uh individuals in the evangelical uh movement um it also does a good job of being like, 
slightly snarky, just enough where it's like obvious where their leanings lie. Right. But not so much that it is like clouding the like the the information. And this book yeah. is just full of information. It's a really great read or lesson. Yeah. Um so uh as a person who I would say I know what eat like growing up I remember my teacher reading like left behind books and I didn't know what the fuck that Fucking was. Gross. And you, you know, she would yeah, she would have like students come like, Oh yeah, I read that book or blah 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 and they like discuss it like briefly or whatever. There wasn't, you know, um and so reading this book, I just didn't understand the pervasiveness of evangelicalism. I kinda was just like, All right, this is just I kinda probably just categorize it as like whatever Christianity, but I just didn't realize like how pervasive and just like the network yeah. of just yeah. in network and culture of like oh yeah so there's a bookstore like okay yeah there's a christian bookstore but this is evangelical christian bookstore and there's also a um television network and there's also a radio network and also multiple radio networks. yeah multiple radio networks multiple television networks like and, and like oh 19 and counting that was all evangelical but bullshit and then like duck whatever those duck fuckers and you know that that was all them too and i was like i love the the idea of like a and e like being like next up on a and e duck fuckers hell yeah so like you know it is i just didn't realize and then like as i was reading just the amount of like yeah so so and so is also evangelical and so like they like linked up and decided to do war crimes i'm like oh cool 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 um mm -hmm. that's very uh concerning you know so <laughs> um the the way the book is set up i think is it's really good it does do like kind of a nice like overview of the kind of you know each kind of you know, era or generation of evangelicalism and, you know, just how it kind of pervaded through um, United States. And, um, and it's not, I feel like this book is also for people who might be trying to get out of evangelicalism or just trying mm. to make, uh, maybe people understand like, family members. Yeah. Under, yeah. Be like, Hey, maybe you're kind of not really into this more uh, conservative aspect of this maybe can read this book and you know we could go to a different church or something like that um you know so like i feel mm -hmm. like it's it's not saying hey god's not real and all these people are like fooling you and blah 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 it's trying to be like these people are very fucking manipulative evil pieces of shit that and they have completely infiltrated like national politics to the point yeah. where multiple presidents are meeting weekly with members of these organizations and yeah yeah and you know having the oh these apolitical people or people who claim they're apolitical and also have non-theological backgrounds having sway over these organizations and everything like that you know the amount mm -hmm. of people who didn't have any of that like who didn't study the bible like seriously study like have a fucking degree in theology or some bullshit or whatever not saying it's mm -hmm. bullshit sorry uh, it's you know that like they're the ones who are like oh yeah we're gonna write books about like masculinity and it's kind of a <laughs> nudge nudge wink wink to like christianity in you know and then it's just like no this is about christianity 
Um, Mm -hmm. The amount of, I've seen like Wild at Heart mentioned as a book to read a lot in some of my like powerlifting fitness circles. Uh, Christianity has kind of, for some, they kind of like converted recently. Um, Mm -hmm. It's been very interesting to kind of see some of that, you know, powerlifting is a still a subculture and it is filled with weirdos. Uh, it's been definitely a little bit more mainstream and I've definitely seen, and we'll kind of get to that with our next question, but there's definitely a, a kind of an overlap. I'm not surprised it's kind of happening. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this book. It does make, the chapters are pretty short. Um, you can kind of get the sense of what's going on. Um, and especially if like, especially in the later chapters when it talks about this, you know, nine 11 and, um, just kind of how that shit all kind of played out. Uh, mm-hmm. What I think it's funny now is that uh, a lot of these red I pillars. I also think nine eleven is funny now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, anyway, anyway. Um, so uh, what I think is interesting slash funny is a lot of these red pillars or men's um, influencer, whatever the fuck they're gonna try to call themselves. They've been kind of, so they used to be kind of not really super religious or anything. And they've now kind of circled back to being Christian and um, also teaming up with uh, conservative uh, Islamists. So like to, <laughs> to spread their misogyny. So I thought that way, that has been really funny to see like these dudes, like these streamer fuckers, like converting to like Islam and shit I'm like that. I'm just rational atheist. Yeah. And now I'm... A hardline Islamicist. Well, like they didn't even say like they, evangelical. they didn't even say like they were atheists or anything, but it's but mm-hmm. they but like it's like they would mention, oh yeah, these things are like I can justify everything with like any you know the Bible or um you know the Quran or whatever bullshit. So it's been very like oh okay yeah I'm now I I'm not surprised it's come to a bunch of these fucking hucksters trying to pull in like you know use evangelical um type stuff but you know make it but make it cool mm-hmm. again like you know i it's yeah. just like okay now like i i can see this once like the shit the same pattern happening again on the internet yeah. with red pill men influencer podcast blah 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 um that, that's that's just been kind of going around now yeah yeah it's uh extremely gross and uh uh super pervasive and for a subset of the population incredibly convincing even though they're there yeah like hey so we'll we'll go further into it um with what is muscular christianity now as our resident muscular person how do you feel about muscular uh muscular christianity is just uh the gyms that they used to have for them just sound fucking awful um so just to kind of explain she briefly mentions it in this book but muscular christianity also i just wanted to say off the top um i'm sorry california but i do kind of blame you for this as a concept yeah y'all motherfuckers started this and then tried it y'all fucked up um all right, so um, muscular Christianity kind of came out of the uh, a bunch of fucking Puritan dudes were like, you know what, uh, we need to be manly men, and we're we Jesus also loved to to lift weights, so um, and fight and, and fight and yeah. all this other shit. So kind of stuff is said, but 
in like the heyday of powerlifting, there were several like in California, like Southern California, there were several like Lord's gyms, uh, like uh, gyms that had a bunch of like um, pretty decent equipment there. So like mm-hmm. people who weren't really religious, but you know, needed a gym to go train at, would train at these gyms. And at these gyms, there would be a loudspeaker just blasting fucking hymns and church music and shit. Oh my all, god! Yeah, and it's just loud as hell. So and they have like "Christ is your answer" and all this other bullshit. So they really tried to essentially do flirty fishing, but with like. But with like straw man competitions and like wrestling shows and shit like that, just to get men into it. And then like, oh, if you want to come to the gym or whatever, oh, we got this like really like awesome souped up gym. Like even Arnold during like his heyday went to that gym because it was a destination gym. Like mm-hmm. it was a gym that had a lot of cool equipment and a guy who made a bunch of equipment from like scrap heap and shit like that. Um, mm. It didn't really convert a bunch of like it converted some people, but like it kind of failed in that regard but that was kind of the thing was just like there was just these gems that popped up and they're like yeah you want to be mainly man like jesus you should come to this gym and lift like him and listen to this really loud ass music and surprisingly uh especially at this one gym called zuver's gym they actually had a women's section and they actually had the same equipment in there for the women and they 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 were uh they trained there now that's pretty cool in terms of was there any like notable women lifters that came out of that gym there doesn't seem any record of that mm-hmm. so um still yeah that was something yeah not so, just like here's the women's section and it is just cardio equipment yeah so you know that was there um but yeah there were a lot of these like southern california that really try to marry the the gym and proselytizing at the same time and um, I don't think it worked out much. I like yeah. it's like what they you know mentioned later on in the book with the um, uh, with the MMA shit. Like, and now mm-hmm. I've realized where the Jesus don't chap shirt I saw like once. I was like, what the fuck? Like, is this a joke? Or, like, ironic? And now I'm like, oh shit, that was an actual like <laughs> that was actual no. promotional yeah. thing. Oh gosh. So it's actually not to name drop behind the bastards again, but to name drop behind the bastards again. I don't know if you've been listening to the Vince McMahon episodes i have not but i know a lot of his history so uh i'm gonna say i would recommend oh i'll eventually get to it i i will listen to it but um if you say something that vince mcmahon did i'd be like oh yeah i remember hearing about that uh do you remember hearing about when uh he was being asked about his first sexual experience and he says i was molested at six and also Um, that I went into the woods with a cousin of mine and tried to stuff leaves inside her also at six. Uh, probably not that part, but I do remember he did get molested at six. And also that he implies that his mom gave him a blowjob at six? Yes. Okay. Uh, that shit's wild. Yeah. Uh, also probably definitely a lie. But anyway, uh, listeners, uh, listen to Behind the Bath. So, um, I think you're leaving off on muscular muscular Christianity. Um, I think you're leaving off a lot of the early history. Because muscular Christianity, um, like, didn't just spring up in, like, 
the 60s and 70s, it was kind of a reaction to modernization and the change in the American economy um, in that like a lot of men's self-worth and self-image was tied up in, well, I work on a farm or I'm like uh, working uh, in this field or that field um, and like I'm dirty all day um, and I come home after 16 hours and I drink a pint of whiskey to fall asleep. Um, but Christianity tells me to like be kind and meek to everyone. So that's fine. Um, but when things changed over to a lot of men working in factories where and and more like white collar workers starting to exist, um, not like they were the dominant workforce at the time, but they started to um, a lot of men's self-worth and like the visual like signifiers of their manhood disappeared in the public sphere. Like you could no longer be seen like plowing a field. Instead, you and like 500 other guys were just in this like sweat hell nightmare. And y'all knew what each other were doing. But when you left the factory, like no one could like see the your masculine properties, quote unquote. Um, and then also with say the depression, uh, you saw a lot of men completely out of work. And as a result, their manhood was brought into question, quote unquote. And so the answer to this was to uh, transition from like a meek Christianity, like turn the other cheek, be the lamb and the shepherd, blah, 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 to um, the like Jesus comes with a sword sort of bullshit. Um, and so through the teens and 20s and 30s, a lot of preachers were pushing a, a much more masculine view of Jesus and of Christianity. And then came along John Wayne, who I'm going to recommend once again, the Behind the Bastards episodes on John Wayne, because this book, unfortunately, does not give you an in-depth history on John. John Wayne is not like a feature of this book or really this movement. John Wayne instead is a is a sign. Right. John Wayne is the symbol that Christianity latches onto as like what they would want Christ to be, even though in scripture Christ is not that at all. Um, even if you're just say sticking to John Wayne films, like motherfucker kills too many people in his films to be Jesus. Um, but yeah, so they they basically start tying in the 40s and in particular the 50s and 60s, heavily in the 50s and 60s, because then we're we're in an area era where like movie consumption and TV consumption is higher. Um, and even though John Wayne was like a well-known entity in the 30s and 40s, um, like the height of his popularity and his power was in the 50s and 60s. And so they they tie the idea of a Christian man to the behavior and imagery of John Wayne. Um, and then from there, you get into lifting for Jesus and being a prayer warrior. 
all that now. Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, you know, you have these uh, like tent revivals going on. Yeah. So uh, a lot of uh, like circus performers and other stuff kind of like latched onto them because they needed people to pay them. So mm-hmm. you got these like strongmen and other folks kind of just uh, latching on to these tent revivals and just like doing that shit. So there's a lot of there's just like some overlap that kind of unintentionally happened along with like, mm-hmm. oh, yes, there now should be more manly men because everyone's sitting around doing nothing. And mm-hmm. also like, there's too many women in this church and especially old ladies. That's another Ugh. thing. Yeah. Because of the surge feminisms, men had to, once women were voting and then starting to work in the workforce, uh, men felt the need to differentiate themselves. Because you could no longer point to, like, well, I'm the breadwinner, or, like, I have rights and you don't. Yeah. Um, as a signifier of your manhood. So now you had to signify in some other way, which became, okay, well, I'm the head of the household. I dictate, like, where where we're going to go to church, where you can work, um, what uh, our children can do, blah, 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 blah. Um, so it's it's a reaction to economic issues. It's a reaction to social issues. It's a reaction to um, international politics because uh, a chunk of it is also a reaction to the USSR yep. um, being godless communists. Um, and so the conservatives who were pushing for a militant response to response to the USSR, we're also tying uh, the desire for a militant response to, well, we got to prevent the godless communists from taking over the world because they're, they're not Christian. Yeah. All right. We thoroughly covered that question. So what is evangelicalism? So the book points out like four, like, very basic requirements to consider yourself an evangelical. Uh, and I cannot remember them. Um, so I'm going to look it up. Um, blah, blah, blah. So first off, you can't be a Catholic. Um, you got to be Christian. But there, there's basically four points regarding the... And I really should just go and look this up. Let me Let me look this up. Okay in the book itself, not just online. Thankfully, I stopped reading pretty close to where, or like actually reading and then listening uh, pretty close to where the definition. Okay, so to be an evangelical, according to the National Association of Evangelicals, is one, to upload the uphold the Bible as one's ultimate authority, two, to confess the centrality of Christ's atonement, three, to believe in a born-again conversion experience. That's usually like, could be baptism, could be, um, uh, I guess, whatever the Catholics and some Protestants do at 13. Um, communion. There we go. And then four, to actively work to spread this good news and reform society accordingly. So to be an evangelical, you have to believe in changing society to be more Christian. Fun. Yes. With a lot and of quotes. 
<laughs> like five quests. Yeah. Um, which like the first three, fine. You can you can uphold the Bible as your ultimate authority. Sure. You can choose to center Christ's atonement as the the purpose of your belief. Sure. You can believe that the only way to truly believe in Jesus is to come to Jesus like consciously as an adult. Sure. All fine. All great. Whatever. I don't give a shit. It's that fourth one. Yeah. And I know I've encountered people who are kind of not comfortable about that fourth one. It's more of like, oh, if you're uh, interested in the faith, then you can come to them and they might tell you to come to their church. Yeah. But um, yeah, people who are have, very aggressively do the fourth one is always a uh, I side eye them. We have a fair number of Christian friends. Yeah. And they're all pretty cool about their Christianity. Um, they're also pretty cool about getting ragged on about their Christianity. Yep. Uh, back when we were less cool about them being. Um, but uh, so I will say, not all Christian, uh, but <laughs> some. Some suck ass, and it's for that fourth reason they suck ass. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, you think that, oh, I'm going to a cool wrestling event, and then it turns out it's a fucking, you're getting preached at. Mm -hmm. And you're like, what the fuck? So, you yep. know, because they definitely like to hide a lot of the stuff behind, uh, you know, like, oh, it's a wrestling thing or mm -hmm. it's a concert. And then you're like, oh, shit, I'm at a Christian concert. Oh, yep. no, I need to call my dad because I'm in a cult. Like, it <sighs> is, <laughs> it's yeah. rough um, trying to, because, you know, they like to, maneuver their way into you know popular culture of stuff even though they like to say it's the downfall of you know, um yeah it'll they... it'll nowadays it'll be things like uh self-help seminars or like yep. get rich quick seminars or like there there are a fair number even back in the day like amway yeah christian connections like the davos family extremely evangelical um, I would not be surprised at all if, like, some Amway sellers were starting their meetings with prayer. Yeah, exactly. So, now that we know what evangelicalism is, do we know what muscular Christianity is? John Wayne has talked about a lot, but very little of his life is discussed. What version of John Wayne is central to muscular Christianity? And, and we talked about this a bit already. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so the version that is a central part is the cowboy mythos of John Wayne. His, mm -hmm. you know, cowboy actor, the general or, you know, lieutenant, whatever the fuck he's in, the army movies, uh, mm -hmm. especially in the 60s, you know, when they were like, okay, well, John Wayne, you got to be in these, well, he, probably not explicitly, but like the Vietnam War is going on. We need you to like help out with the morale here and he's like all right i'm just gonna like punch a bunch of soldiers in these movies and make sure that they go get them and also i'm gonna dodge the draft and uh show up for some like plays or whatever um you know so it is the cowboy mythos that he kind of created um I'm not he created specifically, but everybody else fucking kind of did it for him because he's just a lazy piece of shit. Yeah. 
um, you know, that that is the central part of the muscular Christianity. He's like rough, he's tough, he gets the girl, he's rough with the girl, or actually, you know what? The girl he it, kills kind the of, indigenous population. Yeah, he kills the indigenous population. He is manifest destiny, uh personified, you mm-hmm. know. And like even though John Wayne definitely didn't say he was Christian or said anything, he still kind of he hung around a bunch of those fucks. So like mm-hmm. you know, people kind of like, oh okay, like oh, maybe he doesn't say anything. That's fine, but he's still hanging out with Billy Graham, you know, yeah, hanging out with those guys, and so are a lot of other celebrities too, because they were all kind of uh, there was a lot of like, oh, the sixties, we gone too far. Let me just go suit. Let me just really overcorrect on how how things were and we'll kind of get to that soon but yeah this the Mm -hmm. the cowboy mythos that people just super latched onto, and also i think um because movies and tv shows didn't really exist at that time and having this guy be like the first like cowboy like we think of a cowboy and that's like your first experience with that Mm -hmm. probably also definitely played a part yeah um absolutely that's that's my understanding of the the version of John Wayne that is central to killer Christianity. It it doesn't focus on the fact that he was an alcoholic. Doesn't focus on the fact that in his real life, abusing women left and right, cheating on um, didn't didn't focus on the fact that he may have done a bunch of like naked men's retreats on islands with his rich friends no shame but i don't think that's the sort of thing that that muscular christianity would have uh wanted to put forward as the version of john wayne uh that they wanted to be associated with um so it's it's very much the the cowboy the the soldier the the samurai wasn't he in a, a samurai movie he was genghis everything in genghis khan he was genghis fucking khan which like Ugh. as a metaphor works for uh christianity as like well we will sweep down and and conquer conquer the world with our christianity um so i don't i don't even really see a problem with them incorporating that either yeah um so now that we've roughly covered everything we've covered, how were the 1960s such a pivotal decade in the formation of white evangelical identity? And you mentioned a bit of that in your last response. Yeah. Um, 19... What happened in the 60s? Uh, too much stuff for some people um, mm-hmm. and not enough for other people. So the 1960s was all about NAM. Civil Rights Act, the Equal Rights Act, feminism, uh, hippies, um, teenagers. Free sex, free love. Yeah, free sex, free love. uh, Communism. So we're, they literally do, we're being attacked. So, you know, they get to, they get to be the embattled, embittered, whatever the fuck, uh, Christians. Like Mm -hmm. their, their way of life is now being threatened. AKA the American way of life, AKA the white Christian way of life is being threatened by these outside forces that are caused by communism because they're like, there's no possible way that black people want rights because we kind of, without communism, there's no possible way. 
And also, a bunch of dudes wrote some books that said, hey, the slaves were actually happy. So, And also, oh. there were Christians, masters, they treated them well because they had to because they were Christian. No other possible... Yeah, it's totally cool. Mm -hmm. And then they have to walk that back like 10 years later, but still make it like it was still cool that they had slaves. It's fine. Um, so people still make that argument now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what else happened in the 1960s? Oh, right. Um, children were being mean. That was also another just like, wow, rude mm -hmm. ass children going off, growing long hair and wanting to do bad things. And mostly it's just like, okay, they're smoking cigarettes or whatever. And then some is just mm -hmm. like uh, hitchhiking, which is super dangerous. Don't do that. So like, you know, just a lot of change was going on. It used to be less dangerous. Yeah. Um, but this was also the height of a bunch of fucking serial killers. So. Um, That's true. That's true. That That is the, that was the main, that was my main point of like, yeah, there's a lot of people got hitchhiked and never went to their destination. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and now we get into cars with strangers all the time. Yeah. Um, at least it's tracked, maybe. So for the police to do nothing about. Yeah. So like there's a lot of crap like going on. Um also uh, a lot of economic freedom for like women, like even more so. Um, mm -hmm. so like there's more of them working outside the house because a lot of them worked during fucking World War Two and were like, I'm keeping this fucking job. For some of them, I know some of them like straight up just were like, "You guys are fired because we're just hugger, uh, hiring the dudes back." But for a lot of them, it was like, "Oh shit, like I can make my own money, and like we can live pretty nice." And some dudes were like, "Nice, two money, we can have a color television set." Other dudes went like, "No, you can't do that." So like, just a lot of things, a lot of things. Yep. So as a response, and. In particular, the thing that, like, a lot of Christian organizations, churches, uh, Christian nonprofits at the time were, re like, they were upset about a lot of it. Yeah. But the thing that really upset them was civil rights. Um, yeah. And school integration. In there. Like, the uh, abortion movement is really a front for um, not wanting to engage in bossing and school integration um and that's what a lot of the homeschooling and charter school movement has sprung out of is the desire to functionally remove funding from uh schools where students are predominantly white and brown by shunting that funding into charter school or homeschooling resources yeah. where you can ensure that your child is going to an all-white or nearly all-white school and that they're not learning things like evolution and instead are learning about how God buried the dinosaurs to test us. Yeah. Um, There's also uh, same-sex, uh, you know, that Civil Rights Act also yep. kind of led into, like, uh, same-sex um, rights and stuff like that. So, like... Yep. Um, you know, it was pretty easy to kind of you had an you had an outside enemy, a, a, a nefarious force, communism, and that's why everyone was all acting up. Um, you also have a bunch of 
Uh, also, you know, their support of the Vietnam War and just that being super, like, really tanked everyone's popularity. So they're like, oh, fuck, like, we gotta, like, we're trying to kill the communists here, and but no one seems really into it at all. It's like, what's going on there? Um, mm -hmm. You know, and so since they want to keep that warlike type bullshit kind of going on, and, you know, they want to be in constant war. So people not being into the Vietnam War was also like triggering to them too. Yeah. Yep. And so all of those things brought a lot of different thinkers together. Like you've got Phyllis Schlafly, you've got uh, Dobson, you've got, uh, starts with like an F. Do you remember that guy's name? Ah, uh, shit. I don't recall. Well, anyway, you got your Billy Grahams, you got your insert name here. Um, they're all picking their, like, their, their boogeyman at this time, or their um, cause de celeb. Yeah. And they're figuring out, oh, you hate this, but you hate this other thing more, and I hate that other thing, but I hate this first thing more, but, like, we can like share resources and like boost each other. Um, and this is where, this is like the beginnings of what is now called the family, um, which is a, a association of churches and religious groups and nonprofits all with a conservative Christian bend that um, meet together to influence politics and uh, the culture of the U.S. Yeah. towards their end. Um, different book about them. They're mentioned like once or twice. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So it was pivotal because a lot of really cool stuff was happening and conservatives don't like cool things. They really don't. Uh, they try to act like it. Because uh, even Billy Graham with the Civil Rights Act, because like it was... Um, he kind of was like okay with it uh, because a lot of you know a lot of the movement was with a bunch of like you know Christian leaders. So what's kind of shitty to be kind of against it because you're like, oh, I'm up against another Christian man. It's not yeah. just some uh, uh, faceless communist. Um, and then of course he kind of you know of course went back on it or whatever bullshit. So like yeah. you know there was definitely and there was also uh, liberal evangelicals that were part of the civil yeah. rights act you know movement too. So like there was like that kind of sort of the the that sort of you know once it got signed it was like okay that's fine and then we're we're gonna we're gonna move our goalposts to like you know yes uh, desegregation but they like went in on the equal rights act like that was the one thing yeah. they could really wedge their stupid bullshit into yeah. um so we're gonna accept black men however yeah. white women black women no yeah like they no. really were like okay like we can all be like cool dudes here to a certain extent but like we all agree that patriarchy is like really fucking awesome so you know let's let's go all in on that um so like uh i think also during when she was summarizing this time of kind of this i think it was like the only time i saw any mention of like uh of any black evangelicals like as a name or then which tells you something yeah. <laughs> about about yeah. this right um i mean there are like 
modern black evangelicals just because that is where the conservative party's power base is right is with evangelicals for the most part though i mean at this point evangelical is more like a social consumption sort of branding than it is necessarily like a christian ideology um but yeah for the most part this this was the period where there were any black evangelicals yeah Um, i'm sure there were some in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and the early thousands but so much of the focus of the evangelical movement has been anti-women and anti-black and brown rights that you're gonna have a hard time selling that to your congregation like hey by the way like i know that like we've been fighting for like representation and resources and to not be considered second-class citizens but you know, this guy's really cool. His name is John Wayne. Like, uh, the Promise Keepers that I mentioned in the book ha- yes. did try to do, uh, like, some forgiveness. Although it was, like, forgiveness, like, we will forgive ourselves. And, like, not taking any criticisms from other Black evangelicals that were criticizing them at the time. So it was a very mm-hmm. much, like, self-serving type of forgiveness type thing. But even yeah. the self-serving forgiving, some people are like, no, I don't, like, I wasn't racist personally. So I don't, yeah. like, I don't get this, and I don't like this, and y'all are weak and babies. So I'm going to go to my other men's evangelical group because this sucks. And you guys are crying and hugging, and it looks dumb, like women. So, yeah, yeah they, like... Some people tried in the dumbest ways to kind of address it. And then mm-hmm. now it's just probably not even, you know, th- it's probably not even like mentioned at all. So. Yeah. Not really. All right. Speaking um, of, do you have anything else before? No. All right. Uh, so evangelical masculinity isn't just a story about men, not all men. Uh, how have women helped prop up patriarchal Christianity and militant ideals of Christian masculinity, both past and present? So, Jimmy, as a man, can you please answer this question? Uh, first, I gotta say, hashtag, how have women helped? <laughs> um, and then I'm gonna say, hashtag, Phyllis Schlafly. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were a lot of women. Uh, in this movement. Phyllis is not just the only one. Um, there's actually a really great YouTube video by Halen Conrad, if I'm remembering their name correct. Uh, C-A-E-L-A-N and then Conrad, C-O-N-R-A-D, about um, like the first big uh, gay back, uh, backlash in the 60s, where the model slash mom slash Christian identity individual um, who like was known previously for being like the face of like Florida oranges and orange juice um, got way into being against the gay rights movement um, and worked with Phyllis Schlafly and um, there were there were a lot of women who wanted to define themselves in contradiction to and not contradiction but in, in contrast themselves against like the the free love hippie 
idea of what and like the first wave feminism um or i guess second wave it's second wave like, definitely second wave yeah because first wave feminism is like that's 19, i want to vote and 18, i'm going to blow up a police station and also learn uh, judo rad as fuck um though they had their own issue obviously um most first wave feminists racist yeah um even probably a fair number of second wave feminists probably racist a little bit yeah um but so uh, as a response to a lot of second wave feminism there there were a lot of women who were like hey i want to be a homemaker i want to pump out a lot of babies no i've not done either of those and in fact i'm working but i want to do those things i'm looking at you phyllis schlafly you hypocrite um well she did have children but the rest of it the i'm going to be a homebody no no yeah. you're fucking not it's rules for exceptions for me but not for me um but yeah a, a lot of the christian evangelical movement is I, unfortunately obviously as i mentioned earlier i didn't take any notes uh, I just listened, and I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Or like, wow, didn't know that. That's <laughs> fucked up. Um, so I can't point to anything more specific, but it was pretty prevalent through the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. Now, I mean, we can point to, like, Sarah Palin. We right. can point to Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert. Um, There's a lot of uh trad wise although they call themselves traditional catholics but still it's still mm -hmm. the same fucking like yeah. idea it's the trad wife type weird uh cottage core culture thing yeah. let's just live Which, in the woods with my husband cool yeah right. it kind of got a little overran with some trad wife yes. shit so you have to kind of yes. like navigate that um yes. I, I want to point out, too, with Phyllis Shafai and Anita Bryant, both of them kind of addressed a very interesting part of feminism that I think some felt that wasn't being addressed or they felt, like, uh, offended by was the, oh, you want to be a mom? Well, that's fucking stupid. And a lot of some women who are just like, well, I'm a mom and I don't think it's dumb. So, you know, it was a very... Um, unfortunately, I don't have any of the... 1960 uh feminist literature to kind of see how did mm. like how did how did some of these like pamphlets and protests and things like that kind of came across um you know and uh it's like oh do i want to be you know and then of course there's the not only just like free love but just like um like different expressions of love especially with like homosexuals and like lesbians and stuff like that and and kind of probably a lot of them are like oh i don't want to do that or like i don't want to just being a feminist means being a lesbian you know because there was second wave feminism definitely had a lot of uh <laughs> there was political lesbians and stuff like that mm -hmm. and there was a lot mm -hmm. of you know just rejection of men and stuff which is uh fair okay but like sure. no so Anyway, um, it's like a lot of like there there was obviously a concern of like, hey, I want to be treated fairly in the household and I don't want to be a just a object. However, you're not addressing my needs as a mother and, and you know, as soon a working mother. 
right? Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. kind of got corrected with third wave feminism and probably from second wave to third wave feminism. Like the amount of like culturally like movies in the 80s and 90s about single moms with like kids and shit was such a huge fucking thing. Like mm -hmm. it was she can have it all type thing. Um, so granted that's, that's cap, you know, taking certain movements and then cannibalizing them to fit whatever yeah. thing, but and also whitewashing how fucking difficult it is. To yeah. Be a full-time worker and also a full-time mother. Yourself. Yeah. Um, also Phil Shafly and, uh, actually is pretty it, much her. Is it Shafly? I thought it was Shafly. But I always thought it was Shafley. I don't, you know what? Fuck her. I don't care to pronounce her name right. Whatever. Just yes. fuck that dumbass bitch. So, like, um. Phyllis Horsefly. Phyllis Horsefly really, she also really pushed, like, okay, women, you gotta be home, get like your cooking done or whatever. But men, you gotta be all stand up to your wife and be like, wife, we're gonna have sex or whatever. Like, all this I'm going shit. To beat you, and then yeah. we're gonna have the best sex of our life. Yeah, and like a lot of it. And then there was the like compassionate part, but Phyllis was not about that bullshit. She was like, no, no, no. no. You gotta be no, no. like authoritarian, like okay. that shit. And uh, you know, as I mentioned before, this cottage industry. Uh, actually, it's not cottage. It's more of like this fucking book empire about raising your children the correct way and doing the household oh the correct God. way. There are so many damn books to do so. So like, no one was confused. That's the thing. Like, a lot of um, there's been discourse on leftist online leftist sphere about how do we address men and how do we give like dating advice and shit like that. We don't have goddamn books about that. You know who has goddamn books about that? A bunch of evangelical Christians like have shit mm -hmm. about dating. Like, mm -hmm. it, like it is like once you're in, they figure out how to just control your entire fucking life. Yeah. So mm -hmm. like, how, <laughs> you know, there's no confusion. A, a, a good teen, how to, how to how to be a good child to your parents, to then how to date, to then how to how to find your spouse, to how to. Uh, live in the godless uh, heretic world to how to raise your children. Um, a great book that is mentioned that I linked yesterday um, from 1982. I don't know about great. I mean, this title is great in the sense of like Voldemort great sort of way. <laughs> um, so the title of this book is God, the Rod, and Your Child's Bond. <laughs> and so it's it's the art of loving correction for Christian parents and it is all about how to beat your child. Yeah. Like you you're just so fucked um being in this thing to like getting out. And mm -hmm. it is this is so close to Scientology where they just put you into debt or whatever um, and then just keep you there. However, Scientology oh, is yeah. so fucking weird that no one just wants to join. So that's like the biggest part. But like, you know. You do also have to consider how much of like evangelicalism is tied into like prosperity gospel. Yes. And like people just sinking money into these like pastors that they don't have to sink. Yeah. So, like, you're getting the books, you're listening to the audio, but, like, uh, he, it was mentioned uh, in one chapter where uh, ex-evangelical was like, yeah, I just was listening sermons, like, just 
for two five, or three months five or six hours a day just just listening to all of them for two or three months like during a summer and then going back to college you know and joining in like it is like all that's that's it so like you know um yep. yeah it's it's not great um no. speaking of sex they love to write about it a lot wait was it the rod in your child's bot that made you think of sex uh no that's <laughs> oh no yeah no, oh, no. Uh, we, we have these questions written out already yeah um also before we get into sex uh good job on re remembering anita bryant's name because that that's who i was thinking of yeah um so evangelicals love to write books they love to write books about sex a lot they, they, they love fucking... to to preach about sex yeah they, they love to they pretend like... to stroke uh, their cock in cock, front of yeah. a bunch of children uh, in their sermons. They love to have give private Bible studies to boys. Um, and girls. And girls. So why do we think that is? What patterns do you in this chapter and also chapter three that point to a broader implications of evangelical teachings on sex, both personal and political? Uh, since you started off the last question, I guess I'll start off here um so the whole point of writing about sex and to not so they so the thing is with evangelicals unlike other religious shit like catholics where catholics like to me feel guilty sort of about mm -hmm. it is that evangelicals are like hey sex is great and the reason why sex is great is that you have babies and these babies are going to be god soldiers against whatever fucking existential dread like thing we decide to mm -hmm. do Communism, the gays, blacks, yeah. the liberals. Yeah. So there's that. And also, as the time went on, like as the, you know, so like the 60s, you know, you had free sex. So they kind of took some of that and they were like, oh, so you're seeing this free sex and be like, you know what, guys? Sex with your wife is like pretty fucking, like, Jesus would love that, you know, you fucking your wife. So, like, that's cool. And then, but also, don't fuck anyone else before your wife. Yeah, don't fuck anyone else before your wife. Like, don't, don't do that. And then it kind of went to, all right, so like dudes, they have a bunch of testosterone. So like, we need to tell dudes to like be an amazing sex giver, um, but like, don't fuck. So, but you need to be like amazing at it. Um, it's fine. How do you get amazing? Pray. Yeah, you gotta pray super hard about that and don't watch any porn. It's fine. And then women, it's like, all right, women, you need to be, like, amazing at sex, but you also need to be pure as possible. So, it, like... It's you that prevents your the boys around you from not sexually assaulting you. So yeah. You need to control them with your body. Yeah, so, like, you know, be pure. But once you're married, you can be all, like sexy lingerie make sure your man's all like you know have a good meal make sure you satisfy him whenever he wants to like just be a sex doll to him and it's it's totally fine and then we got to more like compassionate dude time and it was like you should like listen to your wife 
and like figure out where the clit is like don't just jackhammer into her and stuff like that like like try to make sure her pleasure is good all right and some people did not <laughs> some people and they were like like phyllis was like no you gotta jackhammer into your wife's pussy as hard <laughs> as possible i i do remember that that television interview she did where she said that line from my voice <laughs> She's um, like, yeah, Jack Hama into that interior wife's pussy as much as possible. Um, so like, forgot. forgot. Think about Jesus. Yeah, think about Jesus while you're fucking. So like, think about a muscular Jesus. Yeah, muscular oiled up Jesus, and he's like, nice, nice form, bro. Um, so like, really, it was all about procreation and also being like. Okay, we know people like, and they and also like evangelicals always want to try to make their shit looks cool. So like, saying like, "Ooh, sex is like, like we know it's all cool." Like, so we're gonna admit that. And everyone's like, "Okay, cool." Like, "Ooh, unclutch my ass about that." Like, but like, make sure you fuck good, but also don't fuck anybody before you get married because otherwise, Jesus will be mad at you. Also, yes. I'm gonna like jerk off this arrow. So yes. Um, so much of it was exactly that, like, we need to have more soldiers in the war for Christ, so we need more babies, which means we need, like, strong families with lots of babies, um, but a lot of it is, is definitely about control. Yes, Um, yes. And also about these pastors, uh, surprise, surprise, abusing their power, uh, to sexually assault lots of people almost entirely women but there are also some sexual assaults against men and that goes hand in hand with how they're preaching about their uh like the general relationships between men and women like as you said women have to be subservient and essentially be sex dolls for the men in their life um and it's unsurprising because it's it's just as we know now, so common, so frequent for extremely conservative men in these positions of power to abuse members of their flock yeah. sexually, also physically, also verbally. Yeah. And when they get caught, they're like, all right, we're going to, I'm just going to apologize in front of everybody. And everyone just claps and like, we're going to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, some, mm-hmm. And that didn't work for some <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, like, for the, you know, for personal implications, it was pretty much, like, all right, yeah, it's the babies. For political-wise, it was mostly, yeah, it's control and making sure that women are always subservient and having the Equals Rights Act goes against everything that we fucking preach here. So, like, Mm -hmm. that was, they're just obsessed with fucking just yes. to a the dumbest degree yes all right uh do we want to move on to the next question or Gucci? yeah sure uh so have you ever been able to do an ollie on a skateboard no actually me, i'm me neither uh but what do you know about ollie north all i know at the time before i read this book was that he did some war crimes and he also helped uh be an advisor on a call of duty and that's about it. 
Are you for real? Yeah, I'm. I'm not joking. Oh my fucking god. Yeah, it was a very like, what is going oh, on, like type thing, oh and god. yeah. So I was more familiar with Ollie North, um, though I didn't have quite as much of an idea of what he did after he got in trouble. But I was aware of his personal military history and what he did in Vietnam and then everything that he was doing for um, the Nixon administration, no, Reagan administration. Um, and ran Contra stuff. Um, and I was vaguely aware that in the thousands he was on Fox News. Yeah. But I didn't realize that he got onto Fox News in the thousands because he gets like lionized by the Christian right, the evangelical right, and then proceeds to do like uh, radio shows and writes books, just feeds off of the evangelical ecosystem like a fucking parasite uh, in a way that Roger Stone wishes he could. Yeah, I didn't realize he was evangelical until I read this book. And I'm like, oh, okay, that makes more sense why you would just decide, like, decide mm -hmm. to fucking do that. Like, you know, yeah. or played a part... You know, like, I don't know, I'm not trying to say uh, him be evangelical is the reason, but it's just like, okay, that's a in a checklist of do I commit war crime? It's like one of, I guess, part, like top three questions to he needed to answer or whatever. So, yeah. um, yeah, I just wasn't expecting that to like to this even pop up at all, to be quite mm -hmm. frank. I mean, it it really does make sense. Yeah. Given like how he positioned himself and like what was going on in christian time like it's it's basically a given at this point like if you mention christ or christianity in like your public appearances and you are conservative you're an evangelist yeah and also you know it's mentioned in this book before kind of the ollie north chapter is that the evangelical like stuff really spread into the military so mm -hmm. even if you weren't very like you know maybe you're you know um lapsed catholic lapsed whatever and then you go into a situation where you are put under a lot of pressure uh you're around the you're same informed. people and now you get preached at like all the fucking time like yeah it's pretty easy to and you get time off to go to church yeah like, it's pretty easy to kind of slip into that. Otherwise, you have to do grunt work. Yeah. So, now, now everything makes more sense now. Yes. Yes. Um, I mean, obviously, Ollie North is a traitor because he committed war crimes. And, like, most of the military is a traitor because most of the military commits war crimes. Uh, oh, fun fact. I called my mother today. Um this is a complete aside from I called my mother and the very first thing she said to me is uh, uh, happy Memorial Day um, are you enjoying your freedoms and I was oh, like oh my god I spit on the graves of the, all of the war dead <laughs> and she was like no you don't mean that I'm like no there's nothing that American imperialism has secured as far as my freedoms go um, through imperialist wars 
And then we went back and forth on that for a minute. And then she was like, so anyway, how are you doing? And I'm like, yeah. my God. Like, yeah, yeah. Take the holiday and then go by a nearby military cemetery and shit on some graves. <laughs> uh, um, to be quite honest, probably most soldiers die from uh, friendly fire. Anyway, yes. so why does North enjoy such a prominent place in the story of jesus and john way and we and john wayne and we kind of said it earlier is he write a lot of books he wrote a lot of books he did the podcast but most importantly everyone in that group just viewed him as a hero because mm -hmm. he took uh they're fighting you know the communists in uh south america and he mm -hmm. got the job done he, because everyone was against, you know, Reagan getting the weapons and doing anything down there. And he, you know, went above and beyond. He got, you know, the next God guy, which is the president, right? To, like, yes. get the job done. And by God, he did it. And so what if some yes. hostages died and some other dumb bullshit happened? It's cool. Fuck those copies. Yes. That's, that was the whole point. That is, that is absolutely it. Yeah. Well, that, and, like, they lionize his, um, performance in vietnam yes um so like he is he's the next logical step from john wayne like okay so no longer a soldier or, or no longer a cowboy um he's the living embodiment of john wayne's green beret um and not only is he masculine like they wanted john like they had john wayne to be but he's christian like they wanted john wayne to be um, and then he also fits into the uh, worldview of, well, the president wanted me to do it, so I got it done. Um, the, the, the desire for unquestioning hierarchies and the defense of unquestioning hierarchies is something they really love. It's what they've been talking about this whole time. It's the man is the head of the family. The church is the head of the flock. The... But the sheriff is the head of the, the county, um, and then the president is the head of the country, um, and you have to listen to your those in authority above you. Yeah. And do what they want you to do unquestioningly, because they do so for God and for Jesus. Um, and so while Reagan wasn't necessarily perfect for them, Ollie North was. Yeah. So... It is, yeah, Ollie North. I didn't recall Ollie Mania because I probably was too young. I forgot he had a Fox News show uh, in the 2000s. So, yeah. All right. He also went on Infowars in this. Oh, that makes sense. Because in, in 2004. My God. How can you sink so even lower? -er -er? But uh, I guess he didn't have any money. No, he had money at that point. Oh, like so... he was doing Fox News stuff. Oh, so like. It, it's. It's more so that Alex was not a known entity at the time. Oh, okay. And in the way that he is in the later aughts and then the early teens. Like, yeah. Especially gotcha. since, like, I uh, no, no way in hell would Ollie North have gone on Infowars had he known, like, Alex's position on... 9-11 was an inside job yeah dude he yeah that's what i was thinking i was like I, i'm surprised he's even on there like was he on there to argue but i guess probably not like i can seem like no. oh, i'm gonna debate this little shit but no yeah 
it was just like, oh, this is a conservative radio host. It's like reaching out to Julia about X. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I'll go on the show. It's free publicity. Yeah. Oh. Um, so now that we've covered Ollie, uh, let's talk about the military more broadly. Um, have you observed this embrace of militarism and the U.S. military within American evangelicalism? Well, Angela, in your deep dives where you've gone undercover in the evangelical <laughs> movement, did you observe this tie? And if so, what are some of the implications of this alliance? Um, so, no, I did not go undercover because I would blow my cover immediately because they really do not want women in military at all. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it has been... I So, I actually never thought of the until i read in this book like oh there's like a, a marriage between that because i people probably have a lot of veterans that they know because uh we did come out of the iraq war uh completely successfully iraq's free and so is afghanistan everything totally went to plan um a lot of veterans come out disillusioned so i'm always very curious how they managed like I guess, keep the evangelicalism kind of going in the military as the war mm. kept going, like kept progressing year after year after year, right? Mm. Um, Side note, did you hear that the Taliban has threatened to invade Iran? No. Yes. Oh, okay. Was that like recently? That, that today. <laughs> oh, today. Okay. Um, well, good luck to them, I guess. I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know... Maybe not good yeah. luck to them. I don't know. Just like, okay. I mean, all I know about the Taliban right now is that a lot of them have like office jobs that they fucking hate. And yeah. they're like, they're just. What the fuck? Yeah, they're just like, oh, we have office jobs? Like, I thought we we're going to like be assholes. And like, no, we got to do administrative shit. And they're like, what the fuck? So I just. Yeah. 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 I, I'm so, I'm surprised that they managed to muster up like, I, I, I don't know. Maybe they're just feeling, feeling uh spicy and just want to declare that whatever okay uh not more i'm not uh let me roll back my good luck to them uh i guess they can eat shit and die <laughs> i guess yeah. yeah eat shit and die that's that's what i yeah. want them to happen to them okay very sarcastic good luck yeah it was a very sarcastic like more of like wow you guys okay i know okay. iran has yeah. drones and other bullshit and you have to stuff from probably left over from the u.s yeah and uh i guess the, what i can say to them is you do you sweetie yeah you do you. yeah so um anyway um so i guess the implication of this alliance is as we kind of saw in the kind of the conclusion uh and other parts of this book is that the probably the, the amount of sexual assaults that were covered up in the military mm -hmm. that was going on having a bunch of evangelical generals and other folks who you know you you would report this shit up to uh mm -hmm. not getting taken seriously at all so yeah. and being actively swept under the rug yeah and frequently the women who were sexually assaulted or raped are forced out of the military and sometimes killed yeah so you know, there's that, and uh, I think probably a lot of officers probably be evangelical because they don't always get to go overseas, just have some other kind of uh, quote-unquote easier job. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of the the thing. And also, um, evangelicals really embracing U.S. military kind of brings them more into the fold of the 
the different we're under attack we're under attack um you know we're at war we're making fierce warriors of christ that type of bullshit um you know however uh we get a lot of other people from around the country who aren't evangelical who are like hey i'm jewish and your preaching is very anti-semitic and then the u.s has to kind of be like nah and also like can you guys tone that shit down because it's not great to get sued and yeah. yeah um so all of the like immediate social implications suck um but there's also the like geopolitical implications having the evangelical movement tied so tightly with the u.s military means that a lot of the decisions that are being at the higher levels of U.S. military are done so with an evangelical viewpoint on geopolitics. Um, and, like, it it kind of ties, like, perfectly with the war in Iraq and yeah. our involvement in the Middle East in general because a lot of evangelicals believe that the end times are going to happen in Israel. Yep. Um, and that Israel needs to be uh, a country for that to happen. So they're they're like fully invested in defending Israel, pumping them full of weapons, um, and also fucking around in the various countries near Israel um, so that they can usher in the end time. Yeah. Um, and you really do not want to have someone making day-to-day, month-to-month, year-to-year decisions on how the United States is going to operate on the world stage when they also are trying to usher in Armageddon. Yeah, because pretty much every uh, decision and choice is all going to be like, how does this get us closer to our prophesized Armageddon? And it's yep. like, ugh, it is is stupid. That's why there's, yeah, that's why they're like, oh, climate change, not a thing. Like, who gives a shit? Because the world's going to end, and then I'm going to be shepherd to heaven. You know, it's like, it is, they're like, people will be like, ah, doomers? Man, they're annoying. These people are legitimately doomers, because they want this shit to happen. Like, they want the acceleration of shit to happen. Yes, they do. It's extremely frustrating, but also completely unsurprising. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this also ties into why they're, like, quiverful, why they're so focused on having large families because they have soldiers for God, et cetera, et cetera. So then if you have soldiers for God, we can have again. Um, it's, it's a part and parcel, one and the same. They, each, each of these facets ties itself into the other. It's a very, and I'm glad I learned this word, like a year or so ago, maybe two years ago, maybe three years ago. I don't quite remember, but syncretic. It's very good at incorporating new information, beliefs, and new positions on things to further their goals. Yeah. Um, so apart from a brief mention in the introduction, Donald Trump doesn't make an appearance in this book until chapter 15. How do the previous chapters help to make sense of white evangelicals in the race of Donald Trump? I mean, they're sexist. They're okay with sexual assault. They've all been perpetrated and they've gotten away with sexual assault. They're okay with talking about women 
as second class citizens. They have a long history of racial discrimination um, and they don't like liberals. Um, yep. Like other than the fact that he is a disgusting human being that breaks every possible tenet of Christianity, uh, he was functionally grown in a lab to capture the evangelical. Yeah. And I thought this book did a good job of kind of pointing out that, you know, um, people were like, oh, it is the economic uh, uh, downfall. It was all these other factors that people love to try to like, try to dance around, not saying, bruh, it was because people are racist pieces of like white people are just racist and sexist. So like a good chunk of them are and they voted for this guy. And a lot of that chunk also were evangelicals like a huge chunk. huge chunk so you know it, it's just the elephant in the room that a lot of like mainstream media just didn't want to say they're like oh no it's all about the everyone's worried about the economy it's like no this mm-hmm. guy had no fucking positions besides bill ball make america great again and just have as much harm as possible like yep. that was that was it You don't, it doesn't, it it is Occam's razor, this shit. It is not that difficult. Uh, I mean, a good chunk of it is also, and this is something that I feel like the book did not do a good job of. Okay. um, In that, like, it talked about Hillary Clinton in this chapter. It did not mention that Hillary Clinton has been a boogeyman for the right through the 90s and the thousands, and that, like, there's like the Clinton hit list. There's like Hillary Clinton being a demon and all the blood drinking that they accuse her and Bill of. And- yeah. Like they only mention like the most recent things leading up, like, oh, Benghazi, the email server. It's like, no, yeah. it was not those two. Like, let me play this. A uh, bunch of moderates probably d- do not understand like what, why the email server could have been a problem or whatever. Um, I still literally don't fucking care about email servers because everybody in this fucking government misuses all of their fucking electronics in yes. some shape or form. Holy shit. Even even Holy if they shit. even by accident they fuck it up. Okay. Um you know, these motherfuckers, like if you look at any federal worker's computer, like uh you've got a one in ten chance that they were looking at some nasty ass porn. Oh yeah. Like yeah. Literally ten minutes beforehand. And that's not because they don't necessarily know better, um, or not. Uh, but frequently for these federal workers, it's because the computer you gave them to take home was the best computer they've ever touched in their lives. Because yeah. boomers for some reason still have not gotten on the hey, by the way, you should own a computer trained. Um yeah so you know but yeah but the just the amount of misogynistic shit against hillary clinton that was like unfairly spewed at her and all this other shit like and even it was always funny to me some of the like more legitimate like criticisms of you know the crime bill and like sometimes the kind of not the context of the crime bill is interesting. I do want to actually read like an in-depth article about like how that was received and like how that was pitched up because I feel there has to be a book probably... just titled Super Predators that yeah, we can read. Right. So like and um like just all and just the amount of people who like who didn't really care about like racial justice all of a sudden were like, Oh yeah, Hillary Clinton like did the crime bill. And I'm like, Oh, so you care about those things now 
to not vote for her. Like it was a very interesting 2016. Fucking sucked. Like yes. uh, social wise, it was it was bad. It was a fucking minefield. I know everyone yes. probably went through all that shit. But yeah, like um, yeah, the author did not do a good job of being like. By the way, you just had a whole industry of just shitting on her and the Clintons just yes. for 20 ass long years, even after Bill left. And also, it was yes. funny that even through Bill's dumb fucking sexual assault shit, evangelicals were like, yo, this guy's pretty dope. So, like, they're all on board the sexual assault shit, even when they don't like Clinton. Mm-hmm. They're like, he seems like a pretty cool guy. Like, you know, so... Yeah, like, they, they personally were like, you know, he seems good to hang out with. Very similar to, like, the, yeah, I'd grab a beer with Bush sort of yeah. thing. But they also were like, but also, like... Sexual impropriety. You lied. Blah blah blah. Yeah, they they didn't give a shit about that when that happened. Like they were kind of more like, oh, but he tried to drink the like some other weird made up bullshit that he did. Um, you know, so it, it is. They they didn't yeah. care about the like power dynamics. They didn't yeah. care that like why the fuck is this forty year old man like <laughs> like. It, uh, essentially, like using his immense charm, wealth, and uh, power, both as the president and also like as her boss, to charm, seduce, and then uh, whether she consented or not, assault this woman. Because, um, like, even if you are consenting, like in in the moment, like the power dynamics are so fucking off. Yeah. No. Yeah. No one's allowed to date the president. President should be forced to get divorced. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I it always I used to be like, Oh man, I'm so surprised these Christians, you know, do whatever hypocritical and now it's just kind of like, no, that makes sense. It's just been kinda of, it, it's been on the wall for fucking ever. Uh yeah. they're totally into this shit. That is yeah. that is what they them what they want to do and you know and i I feel bad for the liberal evangelicals or people who are not into that shit and they're trying to push against that but once again when you have five or you know all these book publishing firms only printing this shit um all these scandals about you know these dudes like touching girls and boys and shit and like they just get kind of let back in you know in it it's disheartening like and you know you would think like with this whole like catholic you know sex scandal like all that shit a lot of catholic i know yeah not just catholic but just like that and then like seeing the decreased amount of people who are catholics it seems like evangelicals Mm -hmm. are kind of growing like it's like the opposite right um so i think part of it is like the evangelical movement is like headless in a way at this point like in the '60s, like you you could point to like the SBC, you could point to like Dobson, you could point to like um, Falwell, um, but nowadays, like if if your church has like a fucked up sex scandal, you've got options to go elsewhere. Like That's you don't true. even have to go to a church to like engage in like the the homeschooling and like the the like promise keepers or what have you like there there are you can be an evangelical 
and never step inside it. That is true. That what makes evangelical shit even more insidious. Because, yeah, mm-hmm. you can just read a book or just listen to the sermons on a podcast or YouTube or wherever. And since you can just follow the four rules that they have, you can kind of, like, yeah, still claim you're evangelical or whatever. Yeah. Um, you do not even have to uh, read the Bible. Yeah. Because a bunch of these fuckers didn't. So. Yeah. Honestly, probably the majority. That's yeah. the other thing that I. Uh, side note, this is just my general complaint about Christians. Um, you, you will have Christians who have been Christian entire lives, have grown up in the church, have like lived their entire adult lives as Christians, and they're still in Bible study. How the fuck are you still studying the Bible? It's not that goddamn long. <laughs> you're also not like getting a degree in theology you're not writing papers on this shit you're just going to a meeting room to talk about your feelings like just call it fucking like group therapy like it's not bible study it's group therapy um also you you can only really ever like cite like 10 or 20 like verses of scripture that defend or you feel like defend your worldview, and you can never point to anything else because you're you're not reading it front to back. You're not actually studying it. It it is entirely like it's entirely sign and signifier. It like there's there's no there. It's the purpose of Bible study is to present yourself as someone who studies the Bible, not to actually study. Yeah, because um, you'd be done. Yeah. It's it's like kind of uh it's frustrating. Um okay. Uh last final thing that was not part of our question guide. Um shout outs to the author Kristen. She provided some nice book club questions that we've been mm-hmm. going through. Um mm-hmm. they're uh, worded way more intelligently than mine. Mine would have been more angry um sounding. So uh I noticed in this book that there's a lot of Catholic to evangelical pipe like conversions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious as to why that seemed to be the case. Like it happened like Phyllis uh Horsefly is one. Uh there was one um famous college football coach who mm-hmm. had a traumatic experience of um his wife not his wife, oh my god, his daughter got pregnant by a football player and mm-hmm. then he was like, I gotta be evangelical. I was like this is such a dumb reason, but okay, whatever. Um, yeah. There's probably other um, other folks in here. Uh, there's even the, uh, the mentioned Braveheart in any of Mel Gibson's fucking movies. He's obviously a fucking Catholic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's not lapsed or anything, but it's just kind of like, I think it's interesting. Oh, how even there's as always... an adult, Mel Gibson's a Catholic. Both yeah. he and his father are Catholics. Yeah, I just think it's just very interesting that there's kind of this, like, connection here. I don't know uh-huh. what it is specifically, but I just wanted to kind of uh, bring it up. So that great thing to point out, and I can tell you why. Okay. Um, in, in the 60s, uh, Pope and Catholicism in general had a um, basically like a, a papal convention, like got all the cardinals together and we're going to write some new like rules for Catholics, one of which was that mass could be in non-Latin, 
Like okay. you could have English mass or Spanish mass or German mass, what have you. It could be in the language that people speak. Um, and there were a bunch of other things that happened um, that were were viewed by a lot of Catholics as like a liberal turn. Okay. Um, and as a result, and even today, uh, we've seen uh, more liberal hopes in in the past 15, 20 years. I, I mean, other than Nazi hope. Uh, yeah. But uh, so a lot of conservative Catholics pushed back again and then found, oh, wait, the Catholic Church does not work where I can just like create a splinter Catholic Church. Like the Catholic Church is the Catholic Church. Like everyone answers to the Pope. So uh, I'm going to not be Catholic anymore. Gotcha. Yeah. Now there are still like hardline, like right Catholic group, the one that Mel Gibson's father belongs to. Um, but uh, a lot of conservative Catholics, because of the liberalization that was occurring in the Catholic Church, um, moved to evangelicalism because it, even though it didn't follow necessarily the same rules of Christianity that they grew up with, it hit all of the important cultural and social points that they wanted out of Catholicism. Okay. All right. I see. This is like the this history, like the the cultural identity of like like Catholicism, especially in uh, the United States, that I miss out on. Um, mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, as I mentioned before, uh, the show. Uh, two of my uncles grew up Catholic. Went to Catholic elementary, middle, and high school, um, and they're both now born again Christians. They're evangelicals. And um, my Catholic uncles who remained Catholic, much cooler, <laughs> way less likely to argue with me about whether the city we live near is okay to be in physically as white individuals. Oh, for fuck's sakes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> way less likely to push back at me at the barbecue when I'm like, well, we should be taxing like corporations and are not the ones to say, oh, okay, well, you're all for taxes uh, on corporations, so why don't you give me the money in your pocket? Like, that's a, a logical uh, response. Oh my God. As, as family, unfortunately, I have to say, like, oh, I, I love all of my family, quote unquote, but I do not care for them. And I stay away because there there's go. no winning. Yeah. All right. Um, one last thing. Uh, earlier, I called Phyllis Horsefly a dumbass bitch. And sometimes I kind of, you know, review my, you know, language of, you know, referring to women as bitches. Um, and um, so I think she's still. Of you. I still will say I stand by that one specifically. Uh, she is a bitch. I'm glad she's dead. She did untold harm to a lot of people. So yep. anyway, uh, next book is Blood of My Eye by George Jackson. This book probably still make us angry in different ways. Um, yes. Uh, not the the subject. Well, no, not the subject. Yeah, for sure. So it's going to be a righteous anger. Not yeah, a righteous frustrated anger. anger. Yeah, righteous. I mean, anger. there will be some frustration. Yeah, for sure. 
Um. Anyway, so remember, books are books are good, good. Actually, actually.